Welcome to episode six of the second season of the Books of My Life podcast. I'm your host, Hadith Albastani, arts and culture editor at The National. In this podcast, I explore the roles that books and stories have played in the lives of a number of influential figures, spanning a range of backgrounds. But before we start, make sure to subscribe and follow Books of My Life on your favorite podcast app to get all the new episodes as soon as they come out. In an entertainment world populated by massive egos, Ben Miller is a breath of fresh air. Despite his remarkable success as an actor, comedian, director, and author, he remains deeply grounded with an air of humility and grace. Having found success with the BAFTA-winning Armstrong and Miller sketch show, he's gone on to feature in countless films and TV shows, including Johnny English, Paddington 2, and Bridgerton. Curiously, he's also written a string of best-selling children's books, including How I Became a Dog Called Midnight, The Night We Got Stuck in a Story, and more a passion that began by writing a story for his own son. While much is made of the great classics of adult fiction, discussing his work was a reminder of how important children's literature is, and always has been. As a father, it was wonderful to hear how his own love of writing blossomed for the love of his own son. As he progressed, he realised that reading had always been what he had called the backbone of everything he had ever done. What drove him was to inspire a new generation of children with his books, in the same way that he had been inspired by books. And so the torch of reading is passed from one generation to the next. So obviously, people who are more familiar with your work were originally probably introduced to you as a comedian, yes. as an actor. And of course, now you have this incredible career as an author and a prolific author. Did you always want to be a writer? Is this something that's always been part of your creative process? Yeah, I've always been a writer. I mean, I started in comedy as a comedy writer and then became a performer sort of more or less by accident because I couldn't find anybody who would perform my sketches. <laughs> um, so then I, yeah, then I sort of got into acting um, sort of through the back door, really. It was through through writing comedy sketches and then performing in comedy sketches. And then I started to get offered parts in, you know, in other shows. And I think as an actor, my progress has really been from comedy into drama. I sort of have moved more into drama over the last... Um, over the last 10 years, I guess I just want to sort of learn new things. So I kind of like thought, well, I'll try and see if I can do some more dramatic parts. So one of the shows I'm doing at the moment, it's called Professor T, which is as um, it's like a kind of uh, detective. Yeah, like a sort of, te- sort of um, Nordic noir detective series about this professor of um, criminology at Cambridge University who helps the local police solve these really, um, you know, impossible to understand crimes so that's my sort of acting career so we put that on one shelf and then about well it was really having children um and and really my older son jackson um really loved reading in fact he got very into david williams david williams's books um i kind of got introduced to children's authors that way and and it was interesting to see how much my son loved these books and i thought wow well, maybe i could write him a story too and so I I just wrote him a story for him to read it wasn't really the idea wasn't really to become a children's author but I'd written this story and I was talking to someone here at the festival funnily enough um this is going on for about 10 years ago I was talking to someone at the festival and I told them about this story I'd written for my son it's basically a story about a boy who meets Father Christmas and um he said well why do you have you thought about writing children's books and then we started developing it from there and I got into it, um, it was something that I kind of stumbled across, but then immediately realized that I loved, because I love, 
I'd always loved books when I was a kid. That's always been the backbone of everything I've done is reading. And the idea that you could write stories that might inspire children, like you were inspired by books when you were growing up, was, I mean, it was just a, it was just such a huge pull. I thought, I can't not do this. And the more I've done it, the more I've, the more I've enjoyed it, actually. And the more books I hope I can write. <laughs> I mean, you never know if you can write another one, but I, I hope so. And what were some of the books that most inspired you when you were a child or when you were younger? So I grew up in the 60s. So my, my sort of reading period is kind of um, in the 70s, really. So I was, I was born in 1966. So it's that kind of 70s. So we had the sort of golden age of children's literature in the 50s. So all those books were around. So we read, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Winnie the Pooh. Um, Classic. Enid Blyton. Um, I loved H. Ryder Haggard. I loved adventure stories. So King Solomon's Mines was one of my was one of my favourites. I also always really loved folk stories and legends. So I loved King Arthur um, and Robin Hood. You know, kind of fables and legends and myths. I loved those sorts of stories as well. That's something I found fascinating because I know you're talking about folk stories, and I've always been interested in Irish and Welsh folk stories. Yeah. And there just seems to be an endless mine of them as well, doesn't there? Yeah, well, the Mabinogion, the um, yeah, exactly. is the Welsh sort of compendium of, uh, is kind of part of the matter of Britain, isn't it? The idea is, um, for anybody who hasn't come across it, hard, incre- really, really recommended a reading, <laughs> quite bonkers, <laughs> but it's basically King Arthur if King Arthur was Welsh, I suppose, <laughs> is, is the idea, right? Yeah. Um, and lots of sort of bonkers stories about knights being challenged by other weird knights who are wearing like red armour and they don't know who they are. It's that kind of... <laughs> It's that kind of uh, that kind of story over and over. Yeah, so there's all those bonkers Welsh stories, the Mabinogion, and yeah. I mean, I my parents were English teachers, so we also had lots of uh, Chinese, um, you know, um, Middle Eastern, um, you know, uh, Eastern European. We had lots and lots of different folk stories and fairy stories that we read. So it was kind of um, yeah, it was yeah, it was something that. Really has I loved as a kid and really really influenced me as a as an author. And do you have any books on your bedside table now that you're getting through? A hundred. I mean, I <laughs> I'm really bad at finishing books, so I start a lot of books and don't finish them. I always try and have one book that I am going to finish. And because I was doing this event with David, the last two books I read actually were Space Boy. And Granny Strikes Again. Those are the last two that I read. And I have to say, they were absolutely brilliant. I loved them. Um, uh, uh, other than that, I well, I do read a lot of fiction for the age group that I write for. I try and read most of the other authors because I want to know what, what kids are reading and what they're, what they're interested in. But if I'm not reading children's fiction, it's science fiction. So I love, and I really, really recommend a an American science fiction writer called Ted Chang. If you haven't come across him, he's absolutely unbelievable, writes the most incredible short stories, very accessible, but very, very smart. And I suppose the reason people might have heard of him is the film Arrival, you know, that brilliant film, yeah. uh, brilliant science fiction film, was based on um, one of his uh, short stories. So he's got many, many others just as good, many others just as good as as a rival. So yeah, science fiction is my other kind of passion. Also in the time you were growing up, that was a, a really golden age for science exactly. fiction short stories as well. Totally. So I was reading HG Wells and, you know, Bradbury, everybody. Yeah. I mean, I just, I loved, loved science fiction. And when I was kind of 
And it was something, as I studied science at university, so it was something that sort of carried on with Asimov and all kinds of like weird, I got more into sort of fantasy sci-fi, but my taste is really um, what you'd call hard sci-fi, it's, uh, it's, which is what I love, Ted Chang. It's science fiction that's based on real science. And from the, your books when you were younger, what, 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 were they formative in your kind of sense of humor? Were there any that you can look back at and think, oh yeah, that was really amazing? Yeah, Dickens was. I mean, I really, I was a huge, huge fan of Dickens. I guess this is one of the casualties of being the son of English teachers as you get introduced to Dickens pretty much. <laughs> I mean, literally the books were bigger than, bigger than I was. Um, but I loved Dickens. And I really, really uh, got the bug for Dickens. Um, when I, yeah, I guess, I guess to begin with, I was reading them and not really understanding them, but enjoying them for the sort of comedy and the characters and not really kind of understanding some of those sort of bigger themes that there are in Dickens. But um, yeah, his his style of comedy, which is, I mean, it's very hard to, to grow. I mean, it's so wordy. It's so wordy and it's so sort of based in a kind of, yeah, the humor of the narrator, you know, right. and not necessarily in the intrinsic humor of the characters. It's very, it's very interesting. It's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautifully done actually. It's very witty, you know, the way that he describes you know, the way that he'll describe a scene. It's just, just wonderful and witty. And, you know, you've never... There's a brilliant bit in the Pickwick Papers where he describes um, uh, Pickwick's hat blows off. He's wearing a sort of top hat and it blows off and it starts to roll down the street. And his description of Mr. Pickwick sort of walking down the street, trying to grab the hat without looking like he's trying to grab the hat, <laughs> with the hat always rolling just in front of him. So he's kind of like nodding at people sort of passing by and then trying to get the hat but can't, can't quite get it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a great example because not when people think of Dickens, the first thing that leaps out isn't usually his sense of humour. That's true. People <laughs> usually think of the sort of social conscience and everything else. And I suppose I'm cheating if I'm choosing the Pickwick Papers because there really is no social conscience. <laughs> the Papers. It's the first, you know, that being the first, that be the first, um, first novel that he wrote. But um, there's there's huge amounts of humour in, in in everything else. You know, the stories themselves. You're right. Can be very tragic, dramatic. But uh, there's always there's so he often so often manages to do that with real humor in the characters you know even the worst characters in dickens have kind of they make it you want to sort of laugh at them as well yeah and and that kind of comedy and tragedy and drama often yeah. go best hand in hand in that yes respect. yeah 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 i mean he's it's masterful isn't it and the fact i mean and how did he do it i mean did he <laughs> because they're it's extraordinary he's having to produce these i mean sort of once a month presumably he had to produce <laughs> basically a sort of book because the chapters are as long as a novella, aren't they? Yeah. I sort of produced one of these chapters. How, the, how on earth did he know where the story was going to go? How did he know? Um, and presumably he'd planned it out. You feel like some of this was planned out in advance and other bits you think he's just making up as he goes along. Yeah, because amazing. the wider arcs are so complicated and so well-formulated. Yeah. They had to have been. They have to have been yeah. thought of uh, ahead of time, but it feels like... There's a good story about Dickens, which is that he would write in the morning. Um, and he, so he would start not super early, but, you know, fairly early. And he would write for a few hours in the morning. And then he'd go and walk around London for hours on end. So my guess would be that in the morning, he's sort of writing what he knows he's going to write. In the afternoon, he's going, 
Oh no, how am I gonna get this to work? Oh, maybe what what if what if she was his sister and she'd come back ten years later? <laughs> yeah, but you know, we're we're history does not record. <laughs> And, and what do you do in those moments where do you ever find yourself in play when you're writing where you're kind of beating your, he- your head against the wall trying to figure out where this goes next or mm. what is the missing piece here or i think that is the process I, i've come to sort of realize that that is the process those those bits when you know when you know when you know what you're doing those are that's not writing yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the rest of it that's the writing i think i think it's um yeah i mean i I've sort of made my peace with that in the end. I think for ages I used to think, oh, I can't be a writer because it's, I find it so difficult and I struggle so much. And I just realized after a while, you read enough um, written by other writers, you meet enough other writers to see, you know, oh no, this is just, that's just what the, that's just what the job is, right? So it's like skiing or something, you know, you get to ski down there, you know, there are moments when you ski down. <laughs> it's glorious and you sort of ski down from the top of the mountain and the sun's shining and the snow's perfect but most of the time you spent carrying your skis <laughs> up the mountain <laughs> and that brings us to the end of another incredible season of Books of My Life it's been a journey filled with enlightening conversations inspirational stories and laughter we want to express our deepest gratitude to each and every one of our listeners for joining us on this adventure And we also want to extend a thank you to our guests who were so generous with their time and wisdom. For more stories and interviews about books, literature, arts and culture, please visit thenationalnews.com and keep an eye out for updates on our social media channels, including at the National Arts and Instagram. And for other interesting conversations, make sure to follow The National Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Angami, or your favorite podcasting platform. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Dora Farid. I'm your host, Harith Al-Bistani. Thanks for listening.